everybody. Welcome to the DSO Connect podcast. I'm Robin. And I'm Heather. And today it's Heather and me, and Casey's taking the week off. This is your first time on the podcast, isn't it? It is. It is. I'm very excited. Yeah. So when we first started the podcast, we all decided that we were going to interview each other. And so the six, there were six interviews, each of us interviewing the next one. And it seems like back then we were so nervous, like shaking in our boots nervous every time we recorded a podcast. Yes. <laughs> and I don't think we ever aired them because we decided that nobody knew us, so nobody cared. <laughs> and that maybe once we were more established and had a bigger following, that we might pull them out of the vault and um, get a good laugh out of them all. So yes, it does seem like a forever ago because it, it really does. Yeah. None of this world was the way it is now. And we were just happily living our lives. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny because we were so nervous back then. And now it's like normal life. <laughs> yeah. Normal life to talk to each other on Zoom. <laughs> it is. I, I remember when this first happened and everyone was trying to be super positive and people said, you know, we're going to grow. This is really going to stretch us. Just think of all the new things that we're going to learn or accomplish in our lives. And one of the things was I'm going to figure out Zoom. <laughs> yep. And I figured out Kajabi. Um, I feel like a lot of technology I've been, I've been pushing myself to learn. Um, I know that, Heather, you, you find it very intuitive. You, that's, that's something that you really excel at is like graphic design and, and all that. Yeah, I love the tech side of things. Um, even as a teacher, like before I owned my studio, that was kind of um, what, I, what I thrived in, building the websites and editing the videos and editing all the music. And that's just carried on. And through all of this, it's been extremely helpful. So thank goodness I love the tech side. <laughs> did you go to school for that or did you just pick it up? How did you become experienced in that area? I did not go to school for it. I actually have a criminal justice degree. So like far to the other side. Um, but my dad, growing up, my dad was always very interested in building computers and, and tech things. And I think I just kind of picked it up from him. Like he built my very first computer from scratch. And wow. so, um, you know, in high school, it was the new thing. You know, the internet was just coming out and all of that. So I just hopped in every tech class I could get in. So, so what, so did you do anything in the criminal justice field between college and dance studio ownership? Um, I actually worked for our federal law enforcement training center, which is located um, where my studio is in Brunswick. Um, I worked for them when I was in college. So throughout getting my degree, I worked for the U.S. Customs Badge Office. Oh. So that's what kind of made me interested in criminal justice and, you know, but dance was my constant, so... And you know. your heart led you to this studio owner life. It did. And it was a surprise. Yeah. Kind of knocked were me flat for a minute. Surprised? Were they like, Heather, that wasn't the plan. Or were they like, follow your heart, girl? Um, my family, like my grandparents and my mom, um, 
my mom passed away before I bought my studio and before it was an option, but she was always super supportive of dance and my love of it. And she just always knew that that was something that I would continue throughout. Um, my grandfather actually helped me buy the studio, so they were super supportive. I think my my husband, my family, <laughs> my current family, uh, was a little like sideswiped. Maybe they were like, "You want a what?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, he kind of saw it coming too, though. So yeah. when you first opened your studio, your husband was a little skeptical, and at what point did you? convince him or did he start to realize that this was like not a hobby and this was something that had legitimate value and purpose well i bought the studio so i worked for the studio i've now been with studio south for 15 almost 15 years um, but i've only owned the studio for eight so i mean he entered the marriage knowing dance was a huge part of my life and a huge part of who I am. And he knew that was never going to go away. But studio ownership <laughs> has been a, a whole different ball game. Um, and I would say we're probably still on the journey of getting on board. <laughs> so remember when we were talking about interviewing our significant others, and I did the, the episode where I interviewed Wally, and we joked around about you interviewing your husband. <laughs> Um, yes. <laughs> talk about why that would be so funny. And what do you think that he would be saying if he was in the conversation right now? Um, my husband would probably advise anybody who was preparing to marry somebody who owned a studio to run. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I mean, I think he's coming around and, you know, through all of this, he's kind of seen, okay, she's in this, like this is, and she's dedicated and she's actually continuing to grow the studio and build the studio even when she can't be there. Um, yeah. So I think that it's kind of changed his perspective a lot. Um, I can say that throughout this, he's been a little more supportive than, mm. than normal. And I don't, I'm not trying to diss on him. He is supportive in the way that he doesn't get in my way. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, if I need something done at the studio, he'll do it reluctantly, but he'll do it. So, um, you know, he would probably just, I hope that he would say he was proud of the fact that we are putting on our deep water boots and yeah. sledging through. So I bet he is every, I've met your husband personally, but from every story that you've told of him, it sounds like he's kind of like a gruff and tough and doesn't show his emotions on his sleeve. So I'm positive that he's super proud of you and he just doesn't like always have the words on the tip of his tongue. Right. Yeah. And he's very quiet. So, you know, he doesn't really speak unless it's something that he is very, is bothered by. <laughs> so, but yeah. yeah. I feel like um, following your heart's desire through life is so important. Um, today's my, my middle son's 21st birthday, and I just posted, I, you know how it's the obligatory mom post when it's your kid's birthday. So I posted, um, you know, he's a homesteader, and he uh, is b working on building his little farm, and um, 
when he was in middle school, he, to he told me that he was going to be a mountain man and that he didn't need to go to college and that he didn't want to be dependent on the world around him for his happiness or for his, you know, just to support him or anything. And, you know, when your kid's in middle school and they're talking that stuff and you're trying to tell them to just do their homework and take school seriously and... I'm like, Alex, just, you know, when you grow up, you'll figure it out. That you just have, that the world doesn't work that way. And here we are, and he's 21, and he went to college for a hot second, and then, you know, came back and said, Mom, I just really feel like I need to be doing, leading my life a different way. And, you know, the people who have that calling when they're young, like a lot of studio owners, mm -hmm. um, I know so many studio owners who say, I grew up in a studio and I just knew like that was the only option for me. That was my deal. I mean, it might, it sounds like it was your deal too. I just feel like we're so blessed to have that calling that is so strong that it pulls you in the direction of your dream. Even though the people around you are saying you're silly, you're ridiculous. You're not thinking this through. This is a reckless decision. I feel like we're the lucky ones. Because oh, I 100% agree. Yeah. I would rather have the ups and downs and the wild rides that we have as studio owners than have that boring, monotonous, unsatisfying, unfulfilling existence that sadly so many people have. Yeah. I, um, and I will say like for a little while, I would say that was probably a huge thing in our marriage. It was something that I had to get accustomed to because my husband is a I'm going to go work for the man and I'm going to get my paycheck and I'm going to get my benefits. And that's, you know, it was, it almost felt to me like it was passionless, but it took me just having to strip it down and say, okay, this is his passion. That is what he is passionate about. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really necessarily want to be a studio owner. I just knew that dance would carry a huge weight in my life forever because it got me through so many things. And it was always my dance family that was there for me when I needed lifting up. Um, and as I got older, I wanted to create that atmosphere for my students as a teacher. Um, and then when the opportunity came to buy the studio, I realized that I could create the atmosphere not only for for students but for teachers as well mm -hmm. um, and you know I did the obligatory going to school going to college that's what comes next you know my grandfather who was born during the Great Depression is get your real job get taken you know get your benefits dance as a side thing and and I remember him saying to me you know, when you graduated high school, I thought you would be done. And then when I graduated college, he said, so I guess this dance thing is going to stick around for a while, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, it was looking like it. So He would be so proud of you. Yeah, he, I, I know he is 100%. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's been such an experience being a studio owner. And what, and this, I mean, the, I was <laughs> my dad, I love to talk to my dad. He's a really big part of my, my life. And, and he's a sounding board for all things. And I called him yesterday and I said, you know, and I've said this before, even on the podcast, I'm so proud of studio owners. And he yeah. said, you know, it's entrepreneurs in general. And I said, yeah, probably, but mostly studio owners. <laughs> 
um, just how scrappy and how determined and how not giving up we are. And I, I, I don't know about you. I, I can guess for you too. I just can't imagine doing anything else. No. Like this didn't work out. Like I'd be done. Like, I don't know. I have nothing. <laughs> and it crosses my mind like every now and then, like especially through this because I'm like, okay, well, my ship might sink, but I'm, you know, I'm going to like blow the wind till it stays on, stays on the ocean for as long as I can. But I was just, you know, I'm like, well, what would I do? And I've, I've had multiple jobs. Like I've, gosh, I feel like you name it, I've done it. Um, I've worked at banks and worked for customs and worked for attorneys and, you know, it, it's just not the same. Yeah. I've had very few other jobs. I was a shampoo girl when I was <laughs> in high school. When I was in college, I drove pizzas for Domino's. And then I was a dance teacher. And then I was a studio owner. And that's it. And the only other thing, like if I really had, if, if, if it was evident that dance studio world is not coming back, which God forbid, I mean, it can't be true. But if we got to that point, the only thing that I could think of that I would do is um, maybe short-term vacation rentals because right. it's super fun to buy a cute house, decorate it, and then watch it bring in some income. Yeah, or like plan vacations for people. I think that would be fun. That would be fun. The problem is if there's no studios, there's probably not a lot of vacationing either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. We're all going to get through this. I feel like uh, – this time next year, we're all going to be saying, you know, we got through it. We got through it. Yeah, I agree. I will say throughout this, I have really come, like, really just started owning my leadership skills and my leadership roles. Um, and I'm very much the person that hell or high water, this is going to work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> some version of this is going to work. Like it doesn't have to go exactly how I have planned, but by God, we're getting through this, you know? So that is, I have, I have really just started taking hold to that part of myself and um, super proud of it. Cause it's, and you know what I hear from you also, Heather is um, I feel like you've got a really nice way with your students of uplifting like almost preaching to them like not in a bat not in a in a pandering kind of a way but like in an uplifting like southern preacher kind of way like yeah. you are gonna get it together you are gonna show up for those zoom classes you are go you are not giving up and i think they're really lucky to have you i i think that and i haven't seen you in action i haven't seen it firsthand but i can just imagine you being a real leader on that little podium Yes, yeah, so we actually started classes. This week was our first week back. Um, and it's funny that you said that because I had that exact conversation with my company kids yesterday. And I told them that this is like a real version of what your life is going to look like for a while. So you better get some oomph and figure out how you can make yourself get to Zoom because I'm going to be there on the other side waiting for you. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so tell me what, what things you've done in your studio to actually um, prepare for your kiddos coming back in the space. Um, well, as a lot of you probably know, my studio is located in Georgia, and things are 
quickly and rapidly opening. Um, and and I, that the families are quickly and rapidly enthusiastic about it. They're not, there's not a lot of resistance. Right. Yeah. We've, loved to hear. it was, um, it was kind of like planning, 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 bam, we're back. Right. So, um, we rearranged our schedule to make all of our classes 30 minutes with 15 minute um, breaks between each class. And, you know, we'll clean, we clean the studio, the floors, the bars, the hand doorknobs, everything. Um, we have the kids touch as little as possible. Um, no dance bags, no waters, you know, no cups. Um, we put all of the shoes in Ziploc bags and we clean those as they come in. Um, do they bring their own Ziploc bags or do you have them? Or both? They, they do bring their own and they put their names on it. Um, so when you come into my studio, you can come into my smallest dance room. And in that room is where we sanitize everybody. So they get their hand sanitizer and I have staff in there with their masks on and their gloves and they're sanitizing hands and Clorox wiping um, the dance bags or the Ziploc bags, and we even go as far as sanitizing the shoes inside. Um, and then the kids wait in six-foot squares for their class to begin, so we encourage okay. How everybody. How long do they have to wait in those squares? Uh, we encourage everybody to come in 10 minutes before to get to the studio 10 minutes before their class. So they sit still for 10 minutes in a square? They sit, yep, they do. Um, and then they move, we go one by one into the big room and they, we have six foot squares in there as well. And one by one, we put them in their spots and um, we are focusing on our end of the year show, which will, some version of it will happen on June the 6th somehow. <laughs> um, we do have a theater rented and we're going to video that, um, the performances and all of that, but you know, if that falls through and doesn't happen, we'll do it in the studio mm -hmm. where we've been used to getting it all together anyway. So, um, how long do you anticipate those that type of procedure happening on the day to day as people are coming in? Like, do you expect your fall classes will look more like normal where you can have an hour and a half ballet class and? back-to-back back with their jazz class or something like that? I do. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit harder just because, like, right now we're, we're performance-focused. So all we're doing is walking in, practicing your dance, change your shoes, practice your dance, leave. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the training aspect will be a little bit more complicated, mm -hmm. um, but um, not impossible, just complicated. Mm -hmm. And I haven't gotten that far yet. Like, I'm – yeah. I'm working on a three-week vision yeah, <laughs> right now. Hard. It is hard to, to look long-term. I was just talking to a friend that, you know, it's, it's even harder to think about what the fall is going to look like knowing that the schools have no plan. Right. Speaking of schools, did you see um, that video, that teacher, Jerry, uh, what's his last name? He's that Southern school principal that always does those funny videos about teaching kindergartners and, and little people. Oh, I didn't see it. <laughs> oh, I, I shared it on my page. You should check it out. But 
it was, um, he, he, normally he's very funny, but in this particular video, he's, uh, he is also funny, but he's, he's very upset. And his point is that the CDC guidelines for the schools coming back um, are just so unrealistic. And he fears that it's, um, it's setting parents up with a false expectation of things that could happen. Like if you've got 40, you know, between 25 and 40 kids in a classroom, how are you going to separate them six feet? And then when, when the standard is up here and schools simply cannot meet that standard, then it's like setting them up for failure. Yeah, it's a very, I was talking to another friend last night about just the logistics for school. It just seems, again, not impossible. But I feel like you have to be completely open-minded. Mm open to rearranging things and I, it worries me that they are that the people that are in charge of fixing those things are not open like we have had to be and also they have not there are so many different industries and scenarios in business across this country there is not a committee just for dance studio owners there is not a committee just for karate studios there's right. not a committee for art studios and knitting circles and you know all the different variables. So I think that as business leaders, as people who have been in this dance studio industry for our entire lives, it's going to be up to us to um, use our common sense and our judgment and do the best we can to protect our customers who we love. I mean, we, we probably love our customers more than many business owners do because we get so close and attached to them. But yeah, I feel like if we're standing here looking toward the CDC for that exact template of how to move forward, we're, that's not the, we're, we're going to be disappointed. We're not going to get it. I think it's really more important than ever that as studio owners, we're having these conversations with each other and, and finding out like, okay, what did you do? Did that work? It didn't work? Oh, okay, well, then I'm not going to do it that way. Maybe <laughs> I'll, I'll learn from your mistake and do it a little differently. And um, we, need to, we need to figure this out, and we will. It's in times like this that I'm so glad our industry is not regulated. Like, for example, cosmetology or even, um, you know, restaurants and, and food service industry. Um, we're at least we don't have that, um, that overlord mm -hmm. picking things that we feel we're doing correctly um, based on our own experience, our own. My building is different than yours, Heather. Oh, Your 100%. building is different than Amanda's. Right. And, you know, one of the things that they were talking about yesterday, they just kind of opened up Baltimore County a little bit, and they said hair salons can have 10 customers. Or, I'm sorry, 10 people in the building at a time. Okay, if your salon is 1,000 square feet, you can have 10 people in there. If your salon is 2,500 square feet, you can have 10 people in there. Or 10,000 square feet, 10, that just doesn't make any sense. Right. So I think that we need to, you know, come up with our own guidelines and do the absolute best that we can do to protect our people and to still be able to deliver the service that we're being paid and to deliver. I think another added hardship for people is that our areas are so incredibly different. Like I live in Florida. My studio is in Georgia. That alone, keeping up with two different states has been a mm -hmm. nightmare. Um, but today, our Florida governor has opened up all recreation 
like kids activities, all of that without regulation? Well, hopefully though, the, the people who are running those programs are doing like I just said. Right. And hopefully the parents aren't going to just drop their kid off right. in a place where there's absolutely no precautions happening. So I feel like as individual people with brains, <laughs> we can, we can make judgments. Yeah. You know, like you wouldn't drop your kid off at a summer camp where everybody was, you know, rolling around on top of each other <laughs> like it was last year. Right. 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 Um, so as I think that sometimes we underestimate the intelligence of the average person. I mean, we, we, we should be able to make some of our own decisions without having the government make a, a, a chart about it. No, I agree. I, it's been, I've kind of bounced back and forth from side to side. Um, but now having my studio open and seeing how it works, mm -hmm. right? Because um, you can play it over and over and over in your head. Mm-hmm. And it can come out a million different ways until it actually happens. Um, so this week has been an incredible week at my studio. The smiles on the kids' faces, the excitement of even the three-year-olds walking through, <laughs> like hopping to their spots because they are so excited to be in dance class. Um, and there were a few that were scared. Mm -hmm. I worry about that. I worry about... Um, kids that are so afraid that they're going to carry anxiety with them um, into the upcoming months. But at the end of class, everybody was smiling and laughing and having fun. And, you know, they were excited. I think they were excited that they got to be away from their moms for a little while, <laughs> but then they were super excited to see them again. So that was fun. Um, what did you do about masks? Um, we had masks in the first studio. So my staff that is in there, so I take their temperatures when they come to work. Um, and then they, if you are posted in the front studio, the sanitation room, you get your gloves and your mask and, um, and you leave them on in there. And then once you come into the dance room, there are no gloves and there are no masks. Um, I did have a couple of kids who wore their masks during class, but... I'm not allowing that next week because oh, really? it, was um, it wasn't distracting. I just, I don't, I don't know that they should be dancing with mm -hmm. masks on. Um, you know, if the parents push back, then maybe, but I, I will have, you know, I'll have to tell them that they'll have to get written permission from their doctor for their kid to wear mm -hmm. their mask while doing, we're not doing, very strenuous activity right now because we're just running choreography right. and for the tiny tots it's like tap 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 right, right. <laughs> so um but for my company kids i got written confirmation from their parents to that things were okay to go back to normal and we've been having class with them as normal they come in tuesday and thursday from two to five we run their choreography I had planned to adjust the choreography to take out all of the partner work and I made an executive decision to leave it as is. So thinking ahead to potential problems that could come up with this new, with these new systems that we're putting into place, what do you do when you're taking the temperature of your teachers as they arrive and you find that your tap teacher didn't pass the test? 
and you have to send your tap teacher home. What are you going to do with all these kids that are arriving in 15 minutes? I'm going to teach tap. <laughs> <laughs> or if you don't teach yeah. tap, they're going to have jazz that day or something. Right. Yeah. yeah so I feel like pop up jazz class. <laughs> <laughs> I think that there's going to be have, there's going to have to be a lot of room for forgiveness mm -hmm. um, in a lot of areas. Uh, governor Wolf, our Pennsylvania governor, just released today a whole list of things. Um, that need to be put into effect before Pennsylvania can go to green. And one of them is um, uh, just all these employment, em employment guidelines. And one of the one that jumped out at me is employees cannot be penalized in any way for frequent calling out sick. Yeah, that's hard. With, yeah. And I, I get it. If you legit have a fever or legit are feeling like you might have symptoms of the coronavirus or COVID, then of course we don't want you coming in. But what about that teacher? <laughs> we all have the one employee who's like, oh, I stubbed my toe. I'm going to need a week off. Um, so that could just wreak havoc. And now, legally speaking, um, it puts us in a little bind because now we're not allowed to um, terminate because of absence? Right. How long will our customers be patient with that? Um, I think that's where you kind of have to pull in your leadership and creating the community within your staff and making sure they're on board for it. I mean, I think if anything, this has taught us that who who really wants to teach dance and who really doesn't? Because if you have to teach dance on Zoom, you have to be on board. Yeah. Yeah. And I have been lucky, I'm going to knock on some wood, that my staff, for the most part, have done an incredible job. And, you know, I've just been candid with them from the beginning. Look, I want to pay you. I want to pay you for your normal hours, even though we're only going to three classes a day and you're not working those hours. However, if I'm going to be able to continue to pay you, I have to continue being paid. So you have to create enough content that validates me charging these people mm -hmm. their regular tuition. Um, and, you know, I've had, to, I've had to guide them through that. I've had to guide myself through that. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, there was a couple of Saturday morning classes that I teach where – I didn't teach them. I like I had to call in for a sub, which is totally fine. But we all knew that we were on board with each other. Mm -hmm. And if we all needed each other, we were there. And That's we had really interesting. We had a weekly meeting and I will continue those weekly meetings from here out. Yeah. That's really interesting because I think that I don't know about your studio, but at my studio, um, I think there's a real sense of this is my schedule. These are my classes. Not that we're not all a team, right. but a lot of teachers teach at different places during the week. So, you know, Morgan may not be able to sub for Brooke on a Tuesday because Morgan teaches at another studio on Tuesday. So this may be a time where we're all kind of saying, look, working at EMC means that we're all going to be super flexible. And maybe if you aren't feeling well enough to come into the studio and teach, maybe you're teaching a Zoom class, which nobody likes. Right. <laughs> so as long as your temperature isn't too high and you're just feeling punky, then you're going to, um, you know, you're going to make the effort to be here or you're doing it on Zoom. Right. 
Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I will say, like, for the most part, we, you know, all of us down here hate Zoom because it's 90 degrees and sunny and the beach is open, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, but my tap, my tap program has flourished on Zoom. And yeah. I told my kids yesterday, we will continue to have a tap class on Zoom. Oh, well, so, do you see yourself continuing the Zoom classes into the fall, even if you're okay to be open in the building? Um, just a tap class. And not in the studio? Uh, we'll, we will do both. Okay. Like we'll have, we'll have an in-person component and a Zoom component to it. Um, I don't really know what that looks like yet, but, um, you know, we've enjoyed having guest teachers through Zoom and... It just, I don't know. I, I don't know why it's just my tap classes, but they, I gave them homework every week and they- Are you actually, the tap teacher? Mm-hmm, I am. And they actually went, you know, out of the class and worked on it, mm-hmm. which is not something that they were doing in the class. Wow. So- That's great. So some kind of magic sauce was yeah. going on there. We learned our whole tap dance on Zoom. Wow. So my husband went to get a haircut today and the guy who cut his hair said um, they were talking about the new protocols that he'll be using in opening his shop. And he said um, he's definitely going to have to raise his prices because there's going to have to be 15 minutes between each customer. Mm -hmm. The cape needs to get washed between each customer Things need to be sanitized. So, of course, overhead increases. He's going to have to have more capes and go through way more sanitizing equipment. Um, We're going to have a similar situation in our industry where Mm -hmm. we're going to need to increase our prices. um, And that's going to be tough. Yep. Um, This was an increase year for me anyway. Um, So I'm thankful for that. But that is, that's my next adventure is <laughs> like yeah. just sitting down and going through the logistics. So if you have an hour long class, do you have a 55 minute class? And then we take five minutes to mop, mop and wipe. Mm-hmm. Like, um, how do you, you know, the charging, the, yeah, you know, do we build in, do we build in COVID days? I like, that's yeah. the, So one of the ideas that I was having, and it's not fully formed, but it's one of the things I'm going to be talking about at our retreat is, you know, I've always been an advocate for like this membership concept where, um, you know, you, you pay a base membership and maybe there's different tiers that you pay on top of it because obviously your 16 year old who's on the competition team is different than the three-year-old who's there for 45 minutes. But one of the, I was, again, I'm talking to my dad yesterday and he's telling me about the golf club, how the golf club opened. And I asked how, how are they doing? Um, like, did you get a discount or did you get a rebate or anything? And anyway, it got my wheels turning about the idea of a base membership price. Like in order to belong to the studio, your membership is going to be a hundred dollars a month or $50 a month or something. And then on top of that, you pay for your classes. And then the membership includes anything on zoom or Google classroom that we Mm -hmm. provide. Um, It includes the maintenance of the facility, the, it covers the the air filters that we're having installed and the extra cleaning and, 
you know, just the maintenance, like a, like a golf club where yep. you're, you're buying, you're paying in to maintain the facility. And then you also pay for your golf lesson or your dinner or your Easter bunny event on top of your base membership. I have been thinking about the same thing and I didn't go as far as like the membership fee. I was taking it along the lines of my registration fee. Like you have a certain fee to join the studio and then you have your rollover annual lower fee because you are, you are already a member, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And then you pay the tuition on top of that. Um, I would like to have a supply fee for my studio because I want to be able to supply my bags that I made for my kids. Mm -hmm. I want them to get those every year. Mm -hmm. Um, I've actually looked into a couple of different programs as well. Um, Twirl, which is a confetti on the dance floor program. And it's just, I mean, it's bright, colorful, fun. And I've thought about doing a supply fee for that because you can look it up on confetti on the dance floor.com, I think is their website, but it just looks like an added feature that I want to add to my tiny talk classes. Um, and then how do I carry that supply fee into the older kids? They mm-hmm. need therabands, they need yoga blocks, they need things. I, they think need that supplies. You should, I think that instead of adding a second fee, like a supply fee, you just say, this is what's included in your, included in your membership fee. Yeah. Add it in because I think that people get frustrated with well, there's the supply fee and the membership fee and the tuition fee and the performance fee and the costume fee and the t-shirt fee and the sneeze fee. You know, it's like <laughs> right. What if it's just a membership fee, but it's two hundred dollars? Right, and that's what I want to do. Like, just carry it over every year, um, and then you know, as it's a little bit more expensive to join our membership. Yeah, right. I know. I've become a karate mom over the last two years and it they astound me a karate their karate studio just blows my mind in what way tell what can we um, <laughs> well like my son can take you know they have they have the freedom and the luxury to offer an advanced class a beginner class and like a tiny tiger class is what they call it. Um, but it's hundred and thirty dollars a month and you can go six times a week or you can go one time a week, but it's all 130. Um, they charge you an application fee for your all of your belt promotions, and you get a belt promotion every quarter. Wow. Um, and it's like a $50 belt promotion. And me and my husband talk about it all the time. We're like, they just have this wrapped up with a little bow. Mm-hmm. And they, that, you know, people don't question it. It's a discipline. Right. So, how can I? how can I pull this into, in my mind, it correlates with my ballet program because that's, my, that's right. the discipline. Right. Yeah, I think that this is a really good time for us to take a look at our pricing and basically we're tearing the whole building down or the whole system down and rebuilding it. Um, that's what we're doing at this point. And what better time than now to restructure the way that we price our programs. I think also we're going to, if we're only running at 50% capacity for whether it be temporary or full-time, we're going to have to raise our prices. Yeah. And, what'll and we end have up, to do it without fear. Yeah. And what will end up happening is, 
you know, let's say we raise our prices this year and then by next year we're able to have our classes with 12 kids in it again. Um, our prices are already raised. Right. And people will be comfortable with that. I think that to start, we're going to lose some people who maybe um, aren't able to afford the, the service or there, there will be people who are fearful, like you say. But it's a time to kind of shake out and start fresh. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole world's starting over. Mm -hmm. What better time? Yeah. And to so, want, I just, like, I, it just keeps running in my mind that I want to own the business I want to own, mm -hmm. not the business that I have to own. And this is the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that also we shouldn't settle for certain things being forever because right. I don't think they have to. Interesting article I was reading the other day about um, they were interviewing people in different industries, like CEOs of different um, corporations in, in different industries, and they were making predictions about how the industry will change because of COVID. And um, Eventbrite, the CEO of Eventbrite said, she's forecasting that smaller events will become more popular, obviously, but right. people will be doing more events. So for example, our recitals, while we used to have, I used to have one show, a thousand people, we might have, you know, four shows of 250 people. And she's predicting that people are going to like these smaller venues. There are these smaller events and that the large ones may never go back. I am not sure about that because we have arenas and theaters and what are you going to do with all those buildings? Right. Really, right. Seriously. But um, also it makes you think because the CEOs of these companies are making these predictions, are they actually steering it? What, what's the difference between making a prediction and saying, all right, we're going to kind of steer this um, in this direction. And I hope I, I like my thousand seat theater. I think it's the <laughs> perfect size. <laughs> I told my teachers the other day, I said, you know, I think, I think what I think about a lot and what scares me is that I might like our recital one class at a time with no audience recorded, you know, I was like, yeah, I might not ever want to go back, but there's just something so special about being in a venue, being on a stage in front of all those people and it being such a huge part of your life I I don't see it going away yeah I mean are you really ready to accept the fact that there may never be another Broadway show no or there may never be another um, ballet at Lincoln Center no and I my friend I have a one of my teachers sent me a message and she said her friend teaches um, for a high school she teaches choir at high school and they got a message saying that it could be up to two to five years before they had another choral ensemble performance because of proximity to each yeah. other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, and I just told her, I said, you know, I'm not really worried about it because for the entire history of the world, the one thing that has prevailed is the arts mm. in every single ever known human experience the arts is a part of it and it always finds a way and helps lead the way 
into what comes next. So it's a little exciting to see what comes next. What are we creative people going to think of? <laughs> <laughs> That's a really nice spin to put on it. So I'm excited. Like you're, people always sing. They always dance. This will always be a thing. And yes, it might look different. Yes, the experience might be different. But the feeling that those things bring us will always prevail. And one of the things that goes along with that is the desire of people to be near each other. Yeah. And I know that there are some people who would rather be alone. <laughs> for the most part, humans like to congregate. Yeah. And they like to celebrate together and they like to experience things together. Mm -hmm. So I'm just hoping that, I'm hoping and praying that um, our humanity drives us yeah. And at the end of the day, I have complete faith that it will. You know, I mean, there was a time when so many other things threatened humanity. And, you know, over the years, we've had people create vaccines and gotten rid of a lot of things that have threatened humanity. And I have no doubt that this will be the same thing. I, I wish I had your complete <laughs> undoubted no doubt. Um, that's what keeps me up at night is that one little sliver of, oh no, but what if it's, what if it's not? But you know what? I think it's better to end on that happy note that you just, <laughs> maybe Casey can edit out my Debbie Downer moment at the end. I think that we should end on your sentiment. Awesome. Yeah. Heather, um, it was so nice to talk to you this afternoon. You too. You too. And, um, Unfortunately, I can't believe it. We're not going to meet for our DSO Connect, the six of us retreat this year. How many years? Was it like four years that we did it? Yeah, because we did two. Well, three. We did two in Virginia and one in Wisconsin. Yeah. and Gosh, it doesn't even seem like it's been that long. And we were meeting online, what, two years? Two mm -hmm. years before that? You know, this year is going to go down in history as the year that nothing happened. Oh, here's a funny question. I, we, we frame our, um, our show poster every year, and we have them in our big studio. We've got them all lined up, so, you know, you can see every year the show poster. Uh-huh. This, of course, this was the year that I got the show posters printed in February because I was being efficient and organized and... <laughs> Know, ahead of the game and now it's killing me but I have all these posters to throw away and I thought I think I'm just going to have it framed anyway yeah and put it up as the show that never was yeah. um because when I feel when kids come back and they look at the shows they're like I remember that one I remember that one everyone will walk up to this one and be like yeah that one sucks you and should take a screenshot of like a zoom like <laughs> like yeah. with all your kids on zoom <laughs> and then just like stamp it over the top. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. It's, it's different for sure. So let's wrap it up. But um, before we go, let's encourage everyone to come to our virtual retreat. Do you want to talk a little bit about it since you and Amanda were just talking about it? Yeah. I'm, I'm super excited because I'm the queen of change. I love things to be different. <laughs> I am that oddball. Um, so yeah, July 14th, 15th, and 16th, we are shifting our retreat that we were going to Canada to do. We're doing it online. So we're going to do it virtual. And we have started working on the schedule and all of the fun things that will be 
you know, included. We have like day one is studio owner day. Day two is dance teacher day. So you can bring your teachers and they can, they can take the classes and enjoy the cocktail party. And then on day three is studio owner implementation day, which is, I'm super excited um, because I missed last year's retreat. So I'm excited to connect with everybody and, um, you know, help sling my ideas. <laughs> um, and then we're going to end with a lunch and, you know, and just enjoy each other's company for three days. And I think it's going to be super amazing. Yeah. And I feel like the DSO Connect community is always a good time. I feel like we know how to work hard. We know how to be there for each other and we know how to laugh. And there's usually wine. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) You know there won't be wine. We won't be encouraging you to drink during the learning sessions, although we won't really know what's in your your cup. We also won't discourage it either. (laughs) But we will have designated times when we'll get together and just, you know, commiserate or celebrate and and give all that stuff. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time for sure. Yeah. Well, Heather, have a great day, and thanks for chatting with me. You and too. I will see you. Um, I will see you in a couple days. Yep. On Zoom. Yes, we will. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right. Bye.